you are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Braves with me, Dylan Short, part of the Locked On Podcast Network and found wherever your favorite podcasts may be located, whether that be Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, the new Himalaya app, or just wherever your smart device is, whether it's in your home, in your car, uh, your iPhone, whatever it is, you can just say, hey, play me Locked On Braves, and there we go. My voice is in your ear. Whether that's good or bad, I'm not quite sure. So if you uh, if you want to let me know, you can you can feel free to do that. You can leave a subscription. You can leave a review wherever you may. Uh, you can always send me. You can always send me a DM on the new Twitter page at locked on underscore Braves. If you're not following me there yet, make sure you do. It's it's not the old Twitter page anymore. Again, it is twitter.com at locked on underscore Braves, or you can send one to my personal account account at Dylan X Short. We got the voice line at 404-492-6453. We got a pretty busy show today. I'm not sure exactly how long we go. I might go a little bit over today. Obviously, I'm going to talk about the game last night. There was a heart-stopping moment there for a minute. I'm also going to tell you about a couple guys in the minors who are really showing out right now. And with the MLB draft about a month away, I think I'm going to give you a couple of names of guys that I'm really excited for. Some guys that have whetted my appetite a little bit. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if you guys are really into the MLB draft, but I will cover it for the Locked On Show, at least the Braves guys. That way you guys can get kind of a, an, an idea of what the Braves are looking for this year. In the first year without Brian Bridges since 2015, who did just a phenomenal job in building the Braves through the draft. Uh, but first things first, the Braves did lose last night 9 to nothing in Los Angeles, which should come as no shock since the Braves have not won a series in Los Angeles uh, since 2015. As a matter of fact, they might not have beaten the Dodgers in a series since 2015. I know for a fact they haven't won in Los Angeles since 2015. Even worse than that, Hinjin Ryu goes the complete game shutout, gives up four hits, and Maddox is the Braves. The Braves got Maddoxed. If you're not aware of what a Maddox is, it's a complete game in under 100 pitches. just does not happen that often. Uh, so you had a Maddox last night in L.A., and then in Oakland you had uh, Mike Fires who threw a no-hitter against uh, the Angels, I believe it was. Should probably check that, but I'm pretty sure it was the Angels. Uh, in what was the first time a pitcher has gone over 130 pitches since Sean Newcomb a year ago, and it was against Cincinnati, not the Angels. So sorry to any Anaheim fans, to my uh, my friend and locked-on Angels host, Taylor Blake Ward. Didn't mean to imply that you guys got beat up that badly. But the Braves did get beat up really, really badly. Max Freed on the hill. He only goes an inning because he gets hit by a comebacker off the bat of Alex Verdugo and what stopped this host's heart for a minute. It did not look good. When he got hit on the arm, it was on his pitching arm. He tucked his arm right to his chest, went down. He didn't go after the ball, which is how you can kind of tell that a pitcher is really hurt. Most of the time, they will go after the ball. Max Freed did not. He stayed on the ground. Tried to power through it. Uh, tried to throw a couple warm-up pitches. Rick Kranitz did not like what he saw. Yanked him and brought in Josh Tomlin, uh, who did a good job to to – 
stop the bleeding right there. For the most part, the bullpen did pretty good until Jerry Blevins in the ninth. But Max Freed did get an x-ray. His hand was swollen. He had some seam prints on it, got an x-ray, and it came back negative. So it is just a contusion. According to Max, he is still planning on making his start Monday against the Diamondbacks, which really made me just give me a huge sigh of relief. That was about the worst possible outcome that could happen. The Braves are built right now. They can they can withstand an injury or two on offense. They could not withstand an injury to one of their two best pitchers in Mike Soroka and Max Freed. Those two need to be healthy this season for the Braves to do anything of substance. Uh, tonight, you'll get to see whether Fulte's got his mojo back. He's going up against Clayton Kershaw, who, despite some struggles last year coming off the injury, has been back to his dominant ways this year. He's not ever going to be the Clayton Kershaw of 2015, of 2016, uh, the one who is just lights out and, and looked like one of the best pitchers of all time. All the back injuries have kind of sapped uh, his, his 95 away, so now he's about 88 to 91. So he's, he's really having to pitch more often. He's having to rely on that curveball a whole lot more. Uh, some questions about whether or not he'll be able to last you know, 200 innings or anything like that anymore. If anybody's going to figure out how to pitch with that diminished type of stuff, it's going to be Clayton Kershaw. But for the Braves, you're hoping that he doesn't, that he has an off night tonight and that Mike Fultonevich can recapture some of that mojo and the Braves can at least get a win in L.A. You don't want to get swept after sweeping the Marlins. That would that would take away all of the momentum that you gain there. Uh, it's, it's almost like a, a big brother, little brother complex with L.A., it just seems that no matter how good the Braves play, whenever they play the Dodgers, they just seem to get wrecked. And there's a couple reasons, I guess. One is I, I, I'm sure that the factor that that is actually in their heads. There's some teams that you just struggle with. For instance, the Braves could never really handle the Expos, no matter how bad the Expos were. Uh, when you have an East Coast team going out to the West Coast or the West Coast coming to the East Coast, generally speaking, they're not good results for the team that's traveling. But L.A. is also just a, a dynamite lineup. You saw what happened last night. Uh, Justin Turner, who had been abysmal all season long, wakes up and hits three homers last night, hits one in the first off of Max Freed, uh, hit one off of Josh Tomlin, and then hit one off of Jerry Blevins in the ninth inning for his three-homer game. That is not somebody you wanted to see wake up. Justin Turner is kind of the heart and soul of that Dodgers lineup, despite the fact that it looks like Cody Bellinger at this point, Cody Bellinger cannot get out at this point, hitting over 400, has an OBP up over 500, just an, an incredible start to the season for Cody Bellinger. But Justin Turner is kind of that X, X factor for that Dodgers club. And if he gets going, that Dodgers team is really, really going to be scary. You still consider they've got Alex Verdugo, who has Alex Verdugo is a little bit like a, a younger Nick Marcakis. He's not super fast. But he's a good defender, uh, good bat to ball skills, but not a lot of power. A, a really solid type of player. Max Muncie, we know what he can do. We can see what Cody Bellinger's been doing. Corey Seager's been slow to start the year. That's not a shock after he missed so much of last season, but we know he's going to get healthy. That Dodger team is somebody that you're really going to have to keep an eye on, especially if you're a fan who thinks that the Braves have the chance to go deep into the postseason and maybe challenge to get into the World Series. That path leads through L.A. And looking at that team, at least – the first two games of this series, it doesn't look like you've closed the gap enough. Now, a lot can happen over the course of a season. We'll see what happens later on in the year. But for this series, just try to escape with a win. 
and get out of there without getting swept. Now, when we come back from break, I'm going to switch the focus to the minor league guys and three guys that you guys have all heard of. You're all waiting to see uh, three players who have just been absolutely incredible lately. When we get back, we'll talk about those guys right here on Locked on Braves. Hiring the perfect employee is absolutely essential for a business, but it can be tough. If you've ever been in that position to hire, then you know just how frustrating finding that perfect candidate can be. It can take forever digging through a mountain of applicants, none of whom seem to really fit what you're looking for. Well, it doesn't have to be that difficult. Just join ZipRecruiter.com. ZipRecruiter.com takes the hassle out of finding the right candidates for your business. ZipRecruiter takes your openings, posts them to hundreds of job boards all across the internet, and scans thousands of resumes, filtering out all the ones that don't seem to fit. That way you only have to look over quality candidates. Only the best of the best. ZipRecruiter does all that slogging for you so you can get back to relaxing or doing more things that matter. In fact, it's so efficient at this that 80% of employers that use ZipRecruiter.com end up finding the perfect candidate within one day. Just imagine how many annoying, horrible applications you have to go through before you find that perfect candidate. If you use ZipRecruiter.com, it takes all of that hassle out of it. Not only that, if just for being a listener to our show... If you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on, you're going to be able to join ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. L-O-C-K-E-D. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter, the smarter way to hire. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Just a quick reminder, you can follow us on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, on Himalaya, uh, your smart devices, wherever it is. Leave us a leave, leave me a review, please. Let me know what you like about the show, what you what you would prefer me to work on. This is a work in progress still. We've still only been together about a month, so we are still learning each other. Anything I can do to make your listening experience any better is something I will gladly do. But before the break, I told you we were going to shift focus to the minor leagues. If you heard me on 680 this morning, uh, I, I did talk about these three, and I feel it's only fair to talk about them again because they really do deserve it. Austin Riley is obviously the name that comes to a lot of people's lips. We saw him. He's on the 40-man roster. We saw him a lot in spring training. We've all heard a lot about him. The third baseman down to Gwinnett. Started off really slow this year. Well, Uh, He started off with some power, then cooled off a lot. But his last two weeks have been absolutely incredible. He's hit 389 with a 450 OBP and a 963 slugging. He's hit eight homers, 15 total extra base hits in his last 14 games, 21 ribbies, and he scored 17 runs. The best part of that is it doesn't look like it's a fluke. He's only hitting off a 317 BABIP, uh, which is the batting average on balls in play. So it doesn't count home runs. It doesn't count walks. It doesn't count things like that. It only counts the balls that you hit in the field. And 317 is is not you know horrendously low, but it's actually below Austin's normal standard. So it actually leads you to believe that there could be even better positive regression on the way. Even more promising than that is the 20.9% K rate. That is the lowest of Austin Riley's career. And it looks like he's kind of changed his hands, which is important because before the book on Austin Riley was, if you hang a pitch, he'll crush it. If he gets a hold of it, he'll crush it. We saw the 492 foot home run he hit the other day. But the problem was, he could. He had a lot of troubles with high-velocity pitchers, guys that throw 95 and up, which 
in this modern day of baseball, there everybody and their brother seems to throw 95 or higher. He was striking out. His swing was a little long. He seems to have shortened that up a little bit without sacrificing any of his power, and that's why he's, he's kind of turned it around like this. I don't know when you'll see Austin Riley. I have this feeling that if Josh Donaldson were to miss any extended time, you would see Austin Riley called up and he would start and Camargo would maintain his super utility role. I just have a feeling that that's what that's what will happen. And barring some sort of extension for Josh Donaldson after this year, uh, which would cost more money than it did this season if he stays healthy, I think Austin Riley is your, your next starting third baseman. Now, if you decide to re-sign Josh Donaldson, then maybe you get into trade talks. But I don't think the Braves are really looking to trade Riley, especially if he's going to get that K percentage up under 21%. If that's something he can maintain at the big league level, you're talking about a Troy Glouse type of guy. And not the Braves' Troy Glouse, where it was kind of the end of his run. I'm talking about early on in L.A., when Troy Glouse was one of the better third basemen in all of baseball with big-time power. He does have some swing and miss. Not a guy that's going to hit 300. He's a guy that will hit about 260, 270. Uh, but a guy that has big-time potential, big-time power potential, and can really hold down that spot in the lineup. His defense has been getting better and better every year, and he looks like a real third baseman now, not just somebody who's stuck over there playing it. So there are no questions right now that his defense can hold up. I don't know that I'm on board with saying that he's going to be an above-average defender or a plus defender, but he's certainly good enough to hang at third base for now. Uh, He's actually been slimming down instead of getting bigger, so that's a good sign for Austin to tap into a little bit more of that athleticism. It's a good sign for Austin and, and how seriously... He's taking his development. The other two guys are a little are another level down, but they're guys that everyone has their eye on. Christian Pache, we're going to start with him. We know the toward spring he had where he was the best hitter on the Braves ball club in spring training. Well, he's carried that over into the season. The book on Christian Pache, when he was signed, was a guy that had an extremely high hit tool, had an incredible defensive game, had, was, was, had plus-plus speed, rated a 70, had an outstanding arm, uh, and was pretty much known right away that he was going to be an incredible defender with a, a good bat-to-ball skills. And when he came over, he the bat-to-ball skills kind of went away because he didn't walk a whole lot, so a lot of people got kind of nervous thinking that he would never post a, a decent OBP so that the hit tool would never really play. There were some worries about his power. Well, after a swing change last year, where he's, he's finally wading back on the ball instead of getting out on his front foot. He's really starting to lift the ball, and it's starting to show. Pache is hitting 321 with a 370 OBP, which is huge. A 550 slugging. He got another home run yesterday, so he's at three homers and 19 RBIs. And now all the national guys are really starting to take notice of Christian Pache and notice the work he's put together. It's not just Braves guys anymore. And if you guys want a, a fun little view of how the Braves view Christian Pache, I've talked to a couple different guys in the Braves organization that think that Christian Pache has a chance to be a better overall player than Ronald Acuna. And that lets you know exactly how much they love Christian Pache. Because Pache brings that defensive intangible that Acuna doesn't at this point. And he might get to there. He's got the athleticism for it. But with Pache... It's a lot more similar to Andrew on defense where it's just this preternatural sense of, of where to go. When you're looking at Pache, I've, I've said this comp for about a year. Uh, if you're into the comp game where, you, where you're comparing a player to try to figure out what he might give you, a guy like Lorenzo Cain is a good comparison for Christian Pache, but he has an ultimate ceiling up in the Mookie Betts, Mike Trout type of levels, and I don't say that likely. He's not going to be Mike Trout, but he's got that, that type of superstar ability where He's a big kid. He's six foot two, 195 pounds. I'd say he's over 200 right now. If I if I were to hang a guess, he's he's put on a ton of muscle over the last couple of seasons. He's really filled out that frame without sacrificing any of his speed or athleticism. 
And if he continues to grow with the power aspect of his game, you're talking about a guy that can hit you 25, 30 home runs with elite defense behind it. Uh, he's going to be your center fielder of the future. It might end up being this year if Ender Inciarte doesn't, you know, doesn't continue to hit well or if the Braves decide to explore some options for the bullpen. But as of right now, I would expect late 2019 call-up, maybe 2020. But by 2020, 2021, you will have Christian Pache as your everyday center fielder. The other one is a local product, Drew Waters, who everybody has heard of. Saw a little bit of him in spring training as well as he lit the Braves on fire. Everybody was talking about how much they love Drew Waters. Didn't spend hardly any time in high A last season. I believe it was, it was under 20 games, I want to say. Looked a little bit overmatched at times in Florida. Not so much in Double A this year. Hitting 339 with a 375 OBP and a 529 slugging. Three homers for him. 21 runs scored and 12 RBI. And Drew is yet another one of these guys who's a center fielder by trade. He really could play center field if it weren't for the fact that Christian Pache was on the same team. I would expect that you see Drew Waters play left field in Atlanta because left field is is a a wider area to defend at SunTrust Park than right field. And I think that Drew is an outstanding defender as well, has a, has a good arm, a nice accurate arm. He's fast as well. He's a true five-tool type of player. His right-handed swing has been the biggest thing. Coming into this season, he wanted to get better as a right-handed hitter because he is a switch hitter. But up until this year, the left-handed swing was his dominant swing. Well, he worked diligently at it in the offseason. I've seen his right-handed swing before the season started. It looked absolutely beautiful. It looked textbook, and it's actually been incredible this year. He's actually hitting, uh, he's hitting left-handed pitchers better than he's hitting right-handed pitchers, which was the complete opposite a year ago. There's some real debate in the organization that Drew Waters might get a call-up as soon as this year if he continues doing what he's doing. And he's got that Bryce Harper type of swagger. It's not the same as Acuna and Ozzy, where it's, where it's just really fun and excitable. Drew has that that kind of that kind of mojo that opposing teams are going to hate. But if you're if you're a fan of the team he's on, you're really going to get behind him. He's just got that Chipper Jones, Bryce Harper vibe to him. As a kid from Etowah, who played at Etowah High School and was absolutely incredible. Uh, picked in the second round and signed away from a commitment to UGA. Having those two at the level they're at, I don't think it will be too much longer before you see one or both of them in AAA. I think Pache would probably get the nod first, but with the way Drew's hitting, it's certainly not out of the realm that the Braves could want to to bring Drew Waters up a little bit quicker if you just need a fourth outfielder or a corner outfielder instead of a, a true center fielder. The sky is the absolute limit for both of these guys and the Braves in general. Uh, I, I don't have a lot of time to talk about the draft, so I'm just going to end with a couple names. If you guys want to know some names for the Braves draft picks that you want to kind of get familiar with, take a look at Hunter Bishop out of Arizona State. Tomorrow I'll cover him a little bit more, I promise. We're going to cover him in the Platinum Sombrero later on today, which will come out Friday. So kind of familiarize yourselves with Hunter Bishop, uh, Logan Davidson, the shortstop out of Clemson, uh, and there's a relief pitcher out of UNC Greensboro who has me really intrigued. Chad Sykes. I'll get into him a little bit more tomorrow. I promise we'll talk about those guys. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Remember, 10-10 first pitch tonight. Mike Fultonevich versus Clayton Kershaw as the Braves hope to avoid the sweep and gain a little bit of momentum as they head to Arizona. Have a great night, guys. I'll talk to you, I'll talk to you tomorrow here on Locked on Braves. Yeah.